0: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck.
1: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network and thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient program assistant at Breast Friends. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Today I am joined by a true rock star. Amy Hartle is a breast cancer recovery educator, oncology massage and lymphatic drainage therapist, and founder of As We Are Now, helping to empower women affected by breast cancer and she herself is a woman affected by breast cancer. We spoke briefly a few weeks ago and I'm so, so excited to have her on the show today. She is definitely my people.
2: Welcome Amy. Hi, thank you so much Michelle, I'm so happy to be here.
1: Thank you. Can you tell us just a little bit about, just
2: briefly about your life and yourself? Sure. So I grew up when it comes to breast cancer, anyway, I grew up at high risk for uh, breast and ovarian cancers due to a long family history. It is confirmed that I have a BRCA1 genetic mutation, which puts me at exceptionally high risk. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched my, my mom and my grandmother go through it. And that is really what led me into my career. I, 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 became an oncology massage and lymphatic drainage therapist almost nine years ago. And since going through my own experience and diagnosis and treatment in 2017, I knew I wanted to have a greater impact on people affected by breast cancer. And that's what led me to found as we are now. That's amazing. And
1: I'm sure we've talked previously about your family history of breast cancer and that you're BRCA positive. What was it like growing up for high risk of these cancers?
2: It's challenging. It definitely is something that I think unless you're in those shoes, you really can't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's one thing it's one thing to know that maybe you have a family history or it's something you have to think about. But especially once you know you have the mutation and what exactly. those statistically what that puts you at for me, I was uh, coming into womanhood and you know the monitoring and having to think about all these things at a time when genetic mutation wasn't uh, the testing wasn't readily available and or encouraged. Sure. And so I, you know, I had my first mammogram at 23. I had them every three years until I was 30. I had them every th- year after that. It was something that truly, while I tried not to let it control my life or how I viewed my future, it was definitely something that sat with me and did, you know, it, it did impact the way I, I looked at life decisions um, and, you know, what would happen getting married and having children and what would this Mm -hmm. mean and having to think about things like would I opt for prophylactic surgeries, Um, which I never ultimately did get to that point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was it's
1: definitely uh, a challenge. It was always obviously in the background for you, but you were very proactive with your mammograms and your screenings. But uh, what age did you actually find out that you were BRCA positive?
2: At 40. Uh, I, yeah. So again, I had never, um, been in my, my doctors had actually always said, what are you going to do with that information? And it wasn't until, uh, a few years ago, my sister, my little sister actually went and did the genetic testing. And once we confirmed she was, um, we knew that my grandmother was, and it just seemed like a good time to finally get tested myself because we knew that there weren't the insurance ramifications like there had been when I was younger. Exactly. It just seemed like a smart idea, you know, to finally to finally put that that question to rest (laughs) of whether I was or not. I
1: actually had um, not a BRCA circumstance, but my paternal grandmother had um, breast cancer multiple times and she passed from metastatic breast cancer. So it was always in the back of my mind. And at that time, the the BRCA testing wasn't really talked about. Yeah. For me, I always just knew like, gosh, it's it's in my head. Is it going to happen? And I'm kind of a fatalist sometimes. So I was like, always, I always knew, I quote unquote knew that it was going to happen to me. But when I had my first diagnosis nine years ago, the BRCA testing, they were doing it, but it was, it was very expensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, insurance was might or might not cover it, but it was such an important thing. And so I had mine done and I was negative, thankfully. But And now it's so readily available. You go in, you can get, I mean, you can, you can do it on the internet. I mean, it's crazy how available it is now. So it is a really good thing, but it sounds like you, you were really preparing for it, even though you didn't know, which is great. And that led you to becoming a oncology massage and lymphatic therapist. And talk about that. Let's how, how did that really put you into that career path?
2: Yeah, well, I, um, I went to massage therapy school in my mid thirties and I, I had, done, had a varied career and background professionally, but realized that I had this, this really strong drive to, you know, to work in service, to connect with people. Uh, I loved the idea of massage therapy. And it was actually when I was in school that I discovered that there was this whole world of oncology massage, you know, that there okay. was, there was a specific, set of training and skills to support people going through cancer experiences and beyond. And so because of, you know, at that point I hadn't, I was I was still just going with my basic monitoring. And, um, but I think for me, it really clicked because I thought about being young and watching my mom go through, you know, a year of really, really hard extensive cancer treatment and having young children and thinking, looking back and thinking, wow, what if she had had something like this available to her? You know, what if she had had something that just helped her feel a little bit better at different times? And I also knew it could be me one day, you know, that's, that was part of it. It was like, well, this, you know, there is a very strong likelihood that, that this could be me one day just based on family history. And, what a beautiful gift that if I can give this to the world, maybe it'll be there for me. And um, so that's really, I think, what drew me to study oncology massage and lymphatic Mm -hmm. drainage therapy. And then once I was in it, I really just found that it fit. You know, we all have our unique places, interests, Mm -hmm. gifts, like the things that are right for us. And I've never been a massage therapist who was really jazzed about working with athletes or, um, you know, in a spa. And for some reason this, this clicked it for me and I was good at it. And Mm -hmm. so that's, that's kind of where it came together and really shaped the future of my career. uh,
1: You found your niche and working with women who've been something through this, it's very traumatic and being able to go in and help them by placing hands on them and giving them some relief and, and some relaxation, but also helping with potential lymphedema and things like that. It's, it's really amazing. I went through a series of massages after my mastectomy. When I I found out that my insurance covered like twenty sessions, I was literally going once a week for twenty weeks. <laughs> and That's amazing. It made such a difference, and I you know I became great friends with my massage therapist. And she was not oncology trained, and I didn't have lymphedema, but it still made such a huge difference for me to be able to have that care. And like you say, it's it's really giving back and. And serving a community that is unfortunately has been underserved until this point,
2: especially with things that influence quality of life. Mm-hmm. You know, we there's there's definitely treatments continue to improve, outcomes continue to improve in, in many circumstances. Um, but at the same time, you know, there it's just such a traumatic and difficult experience, and anything that is available to us to help support, uh, you know, feeling better, feeling good even. Um, and then of course, to, to understand your body and, and to have those um, the things like lymphatic drainage therapy to help possibly reduce the risk of getting lymphedema so that people don't have to deal with maybe that also additional secondary complication after what they've already been through. Sure. For those
1: listeners out there who don't exactly, who've never had a oncology massage or lymphedema therapy, can you talk about how that's really different from tr- traditional massage therapy?
2: Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing about it is the goal is to make it not feel that different to the person on the table, to the person. It's seeing. all about your mad skills behind the it's, scenes, <laughs> right? And it's, but it's really about making it not only feel good, but about being making it safe and effective. So people who go through cancer treatment, you know, surgeries, treatments like radiation, chemotherapy, there are a lot of. Um, short-term, but also long-term impacts to our bodies from that. And the goal of an oncology massage, sometimes it's to specifically work with, uh, you know, effects from those treatments, whether it's Mm -hmm. scar tissue after surgery, um, helping to improve range of motion due to tightness after radiation treatment. You know, it could also be to try and help reduce nausea or pain or anxiety during chemo. But it's also just about making sure that Um, that we can treat someone as a person and work with, you know, tension headaches or back pain or whatever. And yet we understand cancer. We understand cancer treatments and how the body can be compromised. So the goal is to support the body and not tax it further and have all of those intricate uh, extra details about things like having a compromised lymphatic system. And how do we work with that and work around that? So, I do always advocate for anyone who has a cancer history or going through cancer treatment to see someone who is trained because it, mm-hmm. it is much more involved than you might think. But my goal is not to necessarily make it about cancer. You know, that when you come in, you still feel like you're, you're a human being who's going to get some, you know, relaxation, some comforting touch, whatever your goals are, and that it doesn't have to be all about, you know, you're not just the cancer patient. Exactly.
1: And you've talked about the, you know, the overall experience, but let's talk a little bit more about lymphedema because not everyone experiences that. I, um, I've had issues on both sides. I've had cancer in both breasts, but I have only had a few lymph nodes removed on each side and they were negative. So I didn't have to go through any big extensive, uh, I didn't go through chemo for one thing and, but I didn't ever have any lymphedema. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah. So basically our lymphatic system is a key component to our health and well-being. It's a huge part of our immunity and it also it keeps fluid moving through our body and it it's basically what when when There's fluid and proteins and different things in our system, bacteria, virus, other, anything that's in our body that needs to be kind of investigated and moved on its way. That's part of what the lymphatic system does. And so, what happens is, if you think of the lymphatic system as a machine, um, when someone has a lymph node removed, or multiple lymph nodes removed, Mm -hmm. or all of their lymph nodes removed, and or you add radiation to that mix, you're basically taking away part or potentially damaging a part of that system, right? And what can happen is part of, one of the main components of the lymphatic system is to move fluid through the body. So if if you're a breast cancer uh, patient, say, and you have um, a sentinel node biopsy, you have a couple of lymph nodes removed, all of them, radiation, whatever it is, from under your left armpit, um, those nodes are responsible for helping move fluid out of that left arm. And Got so it. once you take that away or you damage it, now there are things that can cause backups of fluid and and it tends to be heavy. the arm can get swollen, painful um, and the lymphatic system doesn't have its own natural pump it relies it's a very delicate system and it relies on movement and some other things. and so when you take away pieces of it, now, It's just not functioning like it should. And we have to find other ways to facilitate that fluid. So manual lymphatic drainage is the is the the therapy that I do. And that is what helps move fluid along. And that can be done on a preventative level, like to keep, you know, even without developing lymphedema. In fact, that's the goal is to find ways to stop it before it starts. Right, right. Anything to reduce the risk, um, you know, to be understand the triggers so that you can maybe avoid them or at least make informed decisions around them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, the one thing I often like to make sure people understand is that while statistically we tend to talk about, you know, if you've only had a couple lymph nodes out, you're at the lowest risk. But if you've had all your lymph nodes out and you've had radiation, you're at the highest risk for it. Mm-hmm. Technically, that may be true, but as, as a practicing therapist, I, and I believe most other people in this field will tell you anecdotally, lymphedema doesn't play by the rules. So I know women, yeah, I mean, I always say that I have known women who had all their lymph nodes out and radiation on one side, you know, 30 years, never had lymphedema. I know women who've had two lymph nodes out, no radiation, and three years later, they developed it. Right. So, so it can still pop up later, which is crazy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's no time limit. There's no time limit on when lymphedema can occur. So one of the best things you can do if you pretend, if you have any kind of lymphatic compromise is to get educated on the fact that you are at risk, understanding the triggers, and then how can you care for your body so that you can make decisions that are right for you and still get to do the things in your life that you like and that, you know, you enjoy um, without doing them through, in fear or having to avoid them thinking, well, it could cause a problem. Sure. I've always heard um, about travel, like uh, air travel can cause problems
1: and uh, sleeves. Is that something that can help eradicate that or kind of? It,
2: it can. It on- Slee- yeah. Sleeves are used in, in management a lot of the time. Uh, compression sleeves are used when when there is a diagnosis of lymphedema. Uh, but you can wear a sleeve pro- proactively. I wear a <laughs> sleeve when I fly. The one thing I always try to make sure uh, people understand is it's really important that you Get fitted for a sleeve. Like, don't just order something off the internet without understanding how it's going to fit, why you're doing it, um, because. Uh, an ill fitting sleeve could actually cause more damage more problems than, than it's worth mm-hmm. right right and there's lots of other things you can do when you travel in addition such as moving around you know i actually if i'm on a long haul flight like overseas mm-hmm. i'll do yoga in the aisles you know i'll get up i'll <laughs> raise my arms i'll i'll get up and move around and mm-hmm. um, anything to keep that lymph moving through the body like it's as best it can sure. and then sure. Yep. And then uh, ideally working with a lymphatic therapist or learning how to do your own self lymphatic care so that when, you know, for travel, you have that extra tool in your toolbox. Um, When you arrive, you can, you know, do some lymphatic drainage and know that you've done pretty much everything you can.
1: I love that. It's it's self-care and being proactive. We're about ready to jump out for a quick break, but how does someone find a professional since we can't all go to you because you're in Buffalo, New York?
2: Yeah. Well, um, Google asking your, you know, looking for a, a certified lymphatic therapist, uh, a lymphedema therapist, go, you can go ask your local cancer center for a referral. Um, and I actually do offer a, a list of places to find therapists as well. And some of my free resources.
1: Perfect. I love that. We will talk about that after break, but we are going to be back soon with Amy. Remember all of you out there, if you want to make a donation, to breast friends, you can do so on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to help breast friends continue on its mission to ensure that no woman goes through cancer alone. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444. Or visit us at BreastFriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer
4: Support Network. Female cancers affect women. But women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com.
0: You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the program. I'm Michelle Beck, and we're talking with Amy Hartle, breast cancer recovery educator, and oncology, massage, and lymphedema therapist. That's, that's a <laughs> mouthful. <laughs> so is. we've talked a lot about Amy and her background, but we are going to switch, and we're going to talk about how her work has changed since her diagnosis and treatment, and the amazing organization that she's come up with. So Amy, how, how did your treatment affect you into changing, not changing, sorry, adding an additional part to your career?
2: Yeah. Thank you. Well, it, it did change a bit. Um, You know, I always growing up high risk for breast cancer and then working with uh, women impacted by breast cancer, I always thought I could understand, you know, I always thought I had a pretty strong connection and at some level, some level I did, but it wasn't until my own diagnosis and going through treatment that I, that I really could empathize with my clients in a whole new way. And that I realized um, that I realized that there is a, a gap in so much of what um, what we need and what we experience. You know what I what I was lucky to have going into my breast cancer diagnosis and treatment was this professional background. I had all of this information, education, mm-hmm. training, and skills that I was able to use. So I wasn't blindsided by breast cancer like so many women are, um, and I knew about things like lymphedema. I knew how to care for my body. I knew how to work with my scars, and you know, I, I did have to take some time after my own experience to really decide if I could stay in this space. Like now that it was part of my life personally, could I continue to stay in this world professionally? Mm -hmm. And ultimately the answer was yes. Um, it's where I need to be. And what I realized is, is like, as I, you know, continue to really dive into working with more and more women hands-on one-on-one, um, I wanted to make a bigger impact. And I and I recognized that, you know, I was limited, you know, working in a local the the beauty of massage therapy, of course, is, is just a very intimate personal experience, but it is also limiting. I can only right. see one it's person just, at a time. You know, there's and in there, your area, they they yeah. have to be by
1: you to, yes. to see what you know, to come see you for for massage yeah. or you know, absolutely all of that.
2: Or, or MLD or for lymphatic drainage. Absolutely. And and I it just you know, it be, it kind of began to burn in me that this isn't fair. No woman should be diagnosed not knowing it could happen to her. And let's, Mm -hmm. so like, what can I do about that? How can I start educating on a broader scale? And how can I make an impact on a broader scale? And I thought, okay, I teach my clients to do these things when they come into my studio. I've used these, you know, these same uh, self-care techniques for myself. And what really stuck with me is how empowering it is to feel like I can play an active role Not only in my recovery, but in my long-term ongoing survivorship. We talked about air travel. Mm -hmm. I flew to New Zealand a year ago, but right right before the pandemic, I got to go to New Zealand for a month. And, you know, that was, it was amazing. And those are a lot of flights and it's, it was a little, you know, I thought about things like lymphedema, but I felt like I had the best possible, um, uh, you know, I, I was in the best possible scenario to be able to care for myself going on a trip like that. And that really made me feel like I had some some self-reliance, some mm-hmm. self-confidence, some self-control. And that is what I want to give to other women. And that is why, that is where, what As We Are Now was born from. I love that because unfortunately a big part of where we're at in the medical community,
1: you go through treatment, your doctors are like, okay, great, you're, you're NED, you can move on now, your surgeries are done but they don't handle the emotional part of it. And I understand that's not what they're trained for, but I'm so thankful that we have women out there like you and organizations who can really help people. And so that is how you became a, I love this, breast cancer recovery educator.
2: Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, I I had to think a lot about what I what what do I call myself in this because it's so
1: new. There's there's no like it's not like a standard title or job (laughs) description that you can be like, I'm going to pick that one.
2: Right, right, and you know my my massage therapy practice is it's a licensed practice. I you know I'm governed by certain rules and regulations, and um, and it is what I do here hands on. And this isn't really you know I'm not doing massage therapy with people remotely. This is right. this is teaching people how to understand, connect with, and care for their bodies, founded in the principles of. You know, how do you touch yourself safely? How do you work? How do you understand? What your t- you know your muscles and tissue is like. Um, what is a, what is scar tissue and how can you know why does it create these discomforts and restrictions and how can we improve them? Um, and so I and I'm not a coach. I'm not I'm not a life coach mm-hmm. or a, a health coach. I don't have that background. Um, and so to me it was like okay, like yeah, recovery educator and survivorship support is what I'm is what I'm focused on. And of course because my background is in working with the body. That is what I focus on, you know, that that is where my uh, where my zone of genius lies to be able to help women connect with their body. And that can happen on a physical scale, but it also really becomes a mind body connection and bond that we're trying to build.
1: And you're doing this remotely. So you call it a body empowerment program.
2: How do you do that remotely? So it's an online program. I'm okay. currently running it right now uh, as an eight week. So every you know every week a new module is released. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it's self paced within that. So you go through. There's lessons. You know there's videos that I've done. Activities for you to try. Basically little homework assignments. And my my goal is not only to teach you the practical tactical uh, things like. Understanding lymph- your risk of lymphedema. What are the common triggers? How can you make informed decisions around those? And then, of course, how to actually work with your body to reduce your risk of lymphedema. But also, how do you create that mind-body connection in the first place if you're someone who maybe doesn't have it? Um, I I do offer some you know some easy gentle meditation techniques, and I know med- the, the word meditation can scare a lot of people. But what I like to what I like to point out is that it's really just about opening the lines of communication with your body, you know, within, within the Mm -hmm. breast cancer community, we talk a lot about early detection and, and awareness and self checks and breast self breast exams. And I look at this as just a broader picture. Like let's not just feel our breasts looking for what might be wrong. Let's get to know our body as a whole and begin to understand what it's doing. Right. That
1: completely makes sense. And it's so important to have a mind body connection. After you go through breast cancer treatment, because no matter what procedures you have done, lumpectomy, mastectomy, reconstruction, stay, stay flat, your breasts are different. Mm-hmm. And I know for me personally, it took me a long time to reconnect with my, well, my, connect with my new, my newly reconstructed breasts, because I didn't feel like they were quote unquote mine. And it's taken me a long time, but I realized, look, these are the breasts that I have now. They were formed differently than I had originally, but they're what I have. And it's what I chose to have to help me keep some of my womanhood, essentially. And But not everyone can get to that point on their own. So I think it's fabulous to have programs like this to really help women move forward and really reconnect with their bodies. It's so important. And overall, you have a community of women in your programs. And I know you also have some other programs programs on your website? How how can someone be a part of your community? Say you're doing a program right now for eight weeks. I'm assuming you'll do another one coming up.
2: Yes, so the program, uh, the doors to the program are technically, you know, closed right now, Mm quote-unquote closed, Uh, but you can sign up for the waiting list, and I will be relaunching the program again later this summer. In the meantime, there is a community component as we are now, and honestly, I created this for me more than anything Mm -hmm. else because I really wanted a place to be able, off of social media, you know, off of... Um, just a lot of the traditional platforms. I wanted a, a place where I could connect with women and talk about the things that matter to me in a safe, private space. And so it is, it, we have our own platform. It's run on something called a Mighty Network. And it feels a lot like traditional social media. Like it feels a lot mm-hmm. like a Facebook, except that no one is in it except for us. And what's beautiful about it is we we have monthly themes. So every, every month we vote and we pick a different topic and we talk about things that matter to us As women and how they're impacted by breast cancer and a big goal of the community was not to make it all about breast cancer per se you know not to talk it's not not necessarily a place where we talk all the time about treatments and side effects and and that sort of thing it's more to talk about bigger life issues and how do we navigate those that often we cut like things like body image, you know, women come to the table most of the time with body image issues, regardless of Mm -hmm. breast cancer. Now, what do we do? You know, how do we look at our old stories and now look at this experience and take all of that into play? And um, yeah, it just, it, it just kind of evolved into this space. So the community is always open the community. It's a membership community and it is always available regardless of the program running.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And I love the fact that you vote. So you, you know, so do you give out like A, a B, C, and D, and then we p- you pick something? Generally, yeah. yeah. I mean, Sometimes I kind you of, kind of have to lead a little bit.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's not a free-for-all. I, I am the facilitator. <laughs> I'm the guide. And and so a lot of it is me offering resources, recommendations. You know, we've been, we've actually spent the last two months on sexual health and intimacy because that's such a such huge. Such an
1: important issue
2: such a huge issue for women after breast cancer. And, you know, so I obviously, because of the field I'm in and my own experience, I do a lot of research. I have, you know, make a lot of connections, but then we kind of crowdsource as well, you know, so we, we gather resources and recommendations. I put up prompts, get people thinking, you know, it's, it's just a safe place to commune with others. Um, And in, in a little bit non-traditional way when it comes to a lot of the breast cancer branding and, and that sort of thing. So we just, again, we kind of focus on who we are as individuals um, more than the than the specific experiences we've had.
1: I love that. And I love that it's on the mighty network because that, it makes me think of strong. And, and when you're empowering yourself, you are, you are getting stronger and that there's just that whole connection, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of briefly mentioned it, T- tell me about the unique branding for As We Are Now, because if you look at your your logo, it's a beautiful circle, and we have As We Are Now in the middle of it, but it's surrounded by spring flowers and colors, and, and you really would not know that it's cancer-related, and I'm sure that was a very definite choice that you made.
2: Yeah. Yeah, if you look at anything to do with As We Are Now, you're typically not going to see any pink, um, or at least not on its own. You're not going to see uh, ribbons. Um, and it was, it's very intentional. And it's not because I don't appreciate those things. I, I um, am grateful for the power of the pink ribbon, but I also feel that the breast can- the the common breast cancer aesthetic, of you know the pink ribbon and kind of the avatar and that that has been created around what a who a breast cancer patient is, who a breast cancer survivor is, or a thriver, um, has become very narrow. You know, it's become a very singular aesthetic. And mm-hmm. I, I love that you know you, your your blog is I never liked pink, right? Yeah. And. I, that's me. I'm not a pink girl. And I'm actually honestly working to heal my relationship with pink <laughs> because, um, you know, and I know a lot of women who feel this way, you know, that, that, um, there's this idea of what, what it, you're supposed, who you are when you've had a breast cancer experience. And I guess I felt like I wasn't really ever that person. Mm-hmm. And so I intentionally created, um, branding that would, really stay away from that you know actually the the what you see when you look at a lot of um the logo it's those are actually mosaic tiles and oh, nice. that's kind of deeper yeah well you there's flat there's definitely some of that what you said that spring flower look mm-hmm. but when you zoom out on on that particular image that i use and a lot of the branding that i use i view all of us in the breast cancer community as these individual tiles that when we're put together make up a beautiful mosaic you know we are each woman is complex and unique and multifaceted. And that typically means, you know, multicolored and multi, like, like we're not just one symbol or color or representation of an experience. And it was really important to me to create a space where those who don't, who haven't found their space might feel comfortable because that's what happened with me. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for every organization or individual working or providing support within the breast cancer community. We need it all. We need more so that every person can find the place and the type of support that feels right for them. Exactly. Cause I, as I'm looking
1: at it now, I can, I can see the mosaic, the mosaic tiles and the, the, but I I love the colors and they're, they're bright and they're vibrant. And so, but as you said, it is so important for organizations to be multifaceted and your organization is not associated with pink and the ribbon. And there are many others out there who are, but we really need to be inclusive to everyone. And so they can choose what really works for them. And in terms of me, I I never liked pink. Was I, I was never a pink person. My colors are purple and green. And I, I I literally had nothing pink in my house. And for me on my journey, I embraced it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And because it was something that I could connect to and that I could hold on to. And I myself obviously found the need to serve and to give back, which is how I found breast mm-hmm. friends. And so I've I've gone hog wild into the pink. You should see my desk. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> which and I, I never thought I would. Never thought I would get here. But for me, I just I just took it and and that's what works for me. But it's not it's not for everyone.
2: Yeah. And and I think that's what's really important to remember is that we all get to do this experience however it works for us. There mm-hmm. is no wrong way. To be a breast cancer survivor a thriver a patient a conqueror uh, a woman impacted by breast cancer like we each get to use the language that serves us best that feels true to us we get to adopt the symbols that serve us best and for me i'm sure that my experience and my views on this have been shaped by watching my mom go through it and the way that she related to it and again growing up i mean breast cancer has been a part of my life since I was very young in one way or another. And so I think for me, there was always that resistance to that because I, oh God, sometimes I'm just so tired of talking about breast cancer, but at the same time, I've lived it. I work in it, you know, and and I get that. So, um, you know, again, it's it's never about making someone feel like the way that they live this experience is incorrect. It can't be. It's yours. But my goal was to provide just one other version yep. so that, you know, so that those who, who don't maybe pick up that pink ribbon or don't align with that for whatever reason, still have places that they can feel connected to others and talk about their experience. Um, I mean, I can name, you know, I can think of several women off the top of my head that I have known in, in real life um, mm-hmm. who, you know, have all been through breast cancer, but you don't see it on their Instagram. You don't see it on their Facebook. They don't, they don't, you know, they, they've told people about it, but they don't live it publicly. And, it's they not for need,
1: everyone to right, live. And publicly. they still,
2: right. And they, but they could still need support. And that's, mm-hmm. that's why I'm here.
1: Yes. Yeah. You've chosen to live it publicly. I've chosen to live it publicly. I call myself an oversharer, So this is perfect for me because I, I right. n- nothing is off limits for me because if it can help someone else, that is huge. And I think that's what we're here for. And those who have the call to serve, they find what works for them and, and they move forward. So we're going to have to take another short break, but please stay with us. We'll be back soon.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune into the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer
4: Support Network. Female cancers affect women. But women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com.
3: you are tuned
0: in to breast friends cancer support network to reach the program today please call us at 1-866-472-5792 again that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to michelle back at breastfriends.org now back to the show
1: Welcome back. I'm Michelle Beck and we are on Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I've been talking today with Amy Hartle, breast cancer recovery educator about her programs as we are now. So Amy, on your website you talk a little bit about beyond breast cancer. What does that mean to you?
2: Well, I think that, you know, sometimes we we think about life like there's there's um you know, there's there's BC and AD, right? Before cancer <laughs> and, after, and after diagnosis, and I I think sometimes when I use the word the term beyond life beyond breast cancer, I think that people think I'm talking about being in remission or cancer free, and I like I really try to. Focus on the fact that I think we all have a life beyond breast cancer, even if we're still living with it. You know, even women who are living with metastatic disease, because we are so much more than breast cancer. You know, in our lives, we have all of these other facets. And does breast cancer touch a lot of our lives? Absolutely. But I know one of my goals and and one of the reasons I created As We Are Now is because I have lived in and among and around breast cancer my entire life. And yet I really try. To just be a woman just to be a person you know to be a human being with all these other experiences and not to not to have that be my identifier so when i talk about life beyond breast cancer it's what uh, what does life look like despite breast cancer you know Mm -hmm. even if that's still with it so that's kind of um i always like to make that distinction so that people really get that I'm, um, you know, my community and program is inclusive of uh, women living with metastatic disease. It's inclusive of women living at high risk. Um, The only people I don't really focus on right now are uh, women who are um, in active treatment or early stage diagnosis, because I think it's such a different time. There's so much else that you have to figure out. Uh, And and even as as educated and well-informed as I was going into it, it was just, you know, there's there's only so much your brain can handle at a time. And so this is where I think my sweet spot lies is, is making that transition, bridging that gap from that active treatment stage into life beyond breast cancer or whatever that looks like for you.
1: Sure, because in treatment, your your brain is mush. They're yeah. throwing medical terminology at you. You may be on chemo or you've had so much anesthesia from surgeries and you're, you're literally just trying to get through each day. That's that's the most important part of being in treatment is to get through each day. And then once that is over, that is where something like your program can, can come along and really take, take the person, take the woman to the next level.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, you've also talked about something called cancer culture. What is that?
2: So cancer culture is a term I use to talk about the perceptions and expectations that we as a society have kind of created around what a cancer experience looks like. Um, And, you know, that kind of goes back to some, like in the breast cancer community, it's, it's that idea of a a woman. um, And I always want to be very careful when I talk about this, because again, I'm not judging or negating uh, anyone's individual experience, but you know, there's this, this idea that we all, we all become this pink, pink warrior. You know, we all become this person who puts on a pink tattoo and runs races or um, everything becomes kind of that. That's a piece of our identity. And to me, that's cancer culture. That's that's what we and society has created. This idea of what this experience looks like, you know, that we're all these warriors, these really strong thrivers and and it's not all yes, I'm sure I think we are all of that to some extent, but we're also a lot more. And I and I've talked to a lot of people um with cancer community at large. So not just focused on breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And it it definitely exists everywhere. You know, people who have lung cancer, it's this idea automatically this, that, well, you must've smoked, did you, you know, or, um, I've talked to a man who has lived most of his life with brain cancer and there's, there's expectations and ideas that get put upon him by others because of, with that particular type of cancer, um, there's often neurological, um, damage or, you know, there, there can be limitations. And so people assume that he's going to have certain disabilities or certain, uh, challenges that he doesn't actually live. His, his experience hasn't shared that. And so it's just, it's the language we, cancer culture is the language we use, you know, it's the battle language. There are a lot of people out there who don't like to use the word battle or fight when it comes to their cancer experience it's not exactly. true it's not true to them and it, again it doesn't make it wrong if it's right for you but what happens is this a lot of these things have become the norm and the common tongue if you will on how mm-hmm. we how we use them and they then get applied to everyone. You know, the best, the best example I have is I was at a um, women's meeting, a networking meeting a while back, and I was um, seeking some support, entrepreneurial stuff, and talking about the work I do. And a woman I hadn't met before um, interrupted me when I, you know, was describing my business and what I do um, and said, well, where's your pink ribbon? And unfortunately I'd had a really bad day and I kind of jumped uh-huh. out her throat and, you know, it wasn't her fault. She doesn't know. She doesn't live in cancer land. She, right. she, well, she knows cancer culture, which is that if you, if you've had a breast cancer experience, you must, you know, identify yourself with a pink ribbon. And I just think that it's more important to ask questions and listen To what people are, you know, how people share their stories and and honor the way they share their stories. If it's with a pink ribbon, good on you. Then like then I'm totally gonna support that. If you call yourself Uh a cancer conqueror, I am gonna cheer you on and I'm gonna use that language for you. But please don't use that language for me if it's not the way I describe it. And that's kind of what that's kind of where cancer culture comes into play it's, it's really
1: almost like there's the, the new move, which I think is so important on establishing your gender, how you are is your choice. And that's, that's, it's, you know, it's taken a long time for people to get to this point. And I think it's so important that we identify that and recognize that, especially in the breast cancer community. Um, I personally, I took the pink and I ran with it because for me that gave me strength, but it is not for everyone. Yeah. And I think it's, it's that is huge so um definitely i'm gonna have to write about that the cancer culture so i love that um i am also going to talk about something that i love about you and Mm. excuse me there's gonna be some language coming up for those of you who don't want to hear it you might want to tune out for a minute um i started following amy on instagram and she uh it's is it just it's just Amy Hartle, correct?
2: Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually oh, you as we are now. it's yeah, it's under as we are now. But I have my name. If you Google my name, I think or search my name on Instagram, yeah. it should come
1: up. So she does this fabulous thing, which I just I knew she was my people. Um, it's called Fuck This Shit Fridays. And I I literally had just started following her. We talked a couple of days before that, and it was, I believe, a post about your birthday. And it, it was, I, I, I could not identify with this more. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let, and I, I wanted to heart it over and over and over because there's some times when you just have to say, I'm done, fuck it. Fuck this shit Fridays. And it's amazing. So tell
2: me about how you came up with that. Well, I have to admit that I didn't, I did not coin that term. I mean, there's definitely some people mm-hmm. I think who have used it before, and it was a friend of mine in the in the breast cancer community who actually had referred to it, and uh, I was like, "Oh, that's really brilliant." Um, and yeah, so I was, you know, I was I was finding that there were these things, and a lot of it stems around cancer culture. Um, I'm also on the Clubhouse app and host a room called Cancer uh, Cancer Culture Conversations, and so a lot of this stuff kind of comes out of that. You know, it's just fuck this shit Fridays is really just that breaking point of like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this or I want to, t- or I want to talk about this. Like, let's just really own this for what it is. And um, you know, one of, one of the things that really kind of that I, one of the posts I did for that and that really sets me off is um, the idea of trying to fix other people's emotions when it comes to their cancer experience. I've had, mm-hmm. I've witnessed this a lot where, you know, someone is, just talking about either it being hard or this is the way they're dealing with it. And other people want to make it better. So they start, you know, saying, well, but make your mess, your message, or, you know, this is going to be your purpose, or this is the reason God gave you this, or, you know, you just have to be positive or like, Instead of just letting the person experience those emotions or that moment in time, you know, one there's a an example, and I won't get into too much detail, but um, a woman you know woman was just is going uh, woman living with metastatic cancer with young children going through a lot you know just a lot in her life and she was talking in a in a room in a conversation on clubhouse about this um, and how hard it was and like she just really couldn't deal with anything else and everybody was trying to make it better for her and encourage her and i could just hear it was like this pressure that she was supposed to have some great epiphany or a great um you know be grateful that this was happening to her and it's just not fair. Like, fuck this shit. I'm tired of, you know, it's not, it's not our place to, yes. Hope is important. Yes. Positivity matters. Like, and it, and it does, it can help, but it's not our place to put that on other people. And the birthday post that you were talking about that particular fuck this shit Friday, it's actually a pretty lighthearted one. Um, It was, it, so my birthday was on April 2nd, happened to be a Friday and I turned 45 and I, you know, I had this, people start, of course, joking years ago about like, oh, you're getting old. And, you know, our family, we tease each other. Oh, you're so old now, especially because my brother and sister are much younger than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But it kind of hit me like, I am so grateful to be 45 today. Like, I am so grateful. Like, I'm not counting backwards. I'm not stopping my birthdays at 29 or 39 or whatever. Like, I am tired of us, you know, expecting that our bodies aren't meant to change naturally. I mean, in the breast cancer world, you know, we all be obviously focus on the, the changes that have occurred to our bodies um, without our choice because we've had to go through surgeries and treatments and all of that. But there's still kind of this idea that in general, as women, especially that we're not supposed to age that, you know, dro- things that things that gravity kind of takes over a little bit or, sure. or, um, you know, that, that wrinkles, like, like that we go on. So like that day I went on and I was like, sure. I use a filter a lot of time on Instagram because we all do. And I was just like, fuck this shit. We are not, I am no, no filter today. Everything you see is me. And I'm, and I'm proud of it. I'm grateful yep. for it. So I yeah, love that. that's, it's, it's a, it's a serious, it's a lighthearted way to address a lot of serious matters. That's and awesome. people respond to it. There must be, must be something that, that I must not be alone in it because people no, respond to it. You
1: are definitely not. Um, in terms of that, what you were just talking about uh, a couple of years ago, there was a big thing going around on Facebook, post your first profile picture and a picture of you now. And I was kind of like, well, I don't really want to do that. So instead I wrote a post and I, it was, I titled it. It's not about how I've aged. It is about how I have lived. Oh, I love and that because that's what's so important at living every day. Yes, I have wrinkles and I have smile lines, but you know what? It's because I've lived every day. I have a C-section scar because I gave birth. I, you know, my body has changed because of the experiences that I've had and I am blessed to be here every day.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah, gosh, I feel like we could do three more shows, but we are going to (laughs) finish up in a couple minutes. So how do... Um, how do people find find you? And as we are now and the programs, I know you have a free resources program, which I signed up for. And I was telling Amy on break, I'm getting emails from from her with certain daily affirmations or just inspiration and support. And it's really helpful. So tell us real quick how we get there.
2: Absolutely. Well, basically you can find everything you want to know about as we are now um, on my website, which is amyhardle.com. I like to keep it easy. So it's amyhardle.com and there is a free resources page. You just sign up with your email and you get instant access to a whole plethora of things. Um, Both free resources I've created. uh, I mentioned earlier about how, you know, ways to get involved in playing an active role in your recovery or survivorship, you know, how to find a lymphedema therapist. Um, And I also have some different podcast interviews. So if you want to hear different aspects Mm -hmm. of how I share my story and the work I do, Um, and then resources and recommendations. I have my favorite book list and I have a whole bunch of different uh, companies, businesses, organizations that I love for general kind of lifestyle support and health and wellness for women, you know, they're, they're my top go-to recommendations. And so you can get access to all of that at amyhardtl.com.
1: Perfect. Amy, thank you so much for being here today. This is fabulous. And I definitely want to have you back. So we're going to pick a topic and have you back in a couple months because oh, you are just to. such a wealth of information. Thank, thank you, you again. Um, listeners out there. If you are a loved one, and need our services, please visit www.breastfriends.org. You can make a donation on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444 to help Breast Friends continue on its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Our show is available across many platforms on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, Audible, or search Breast Friends wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you would like to nominate yourself to be a guest on the show with me, please do. You can reach me by email at Beck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember... We rise by lifting each other.
0: Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.